0: Well, good morning and welcome to Sunday School at Second Baptist. I'm glad you could be with me today. I am videotaping again from home and um, I have good news to report on my mother. Thank you for everyone that has been praying for her. She is much better and she even um, was ready to go home uh, yesterday and felt like she needed to go i wasn't quite ready for her to be discharged but um she promised she wasn't gonna over was not gonna overdo it and so she has gone home so just keep praying for her to get her strength back but she's much better and i'm, I'm very thankful for that um in addition to that another prayer request clint had mentioned on sunday to pray for uh someone named randy and the uh, bosnians that they were reaching out to um in our region and please continue to pray for that he had some very good news today about um, that effort so continue to pray for the bosnian muslims that um, we would have an open door to share the gospel with them in this area so let's get started with our lesson today and we are going to be in the second chapter of philippians this time at the end of the first chapter last week paul had said to the philippians remember to conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel and we talked about that Um. And so that was kind of the way that that first chapter ended, and so from that, um, he said he begins chapter two by talking about um, another aspect of Christian life and the the way that we live, which is to talking about getting along with each other really is is what it it boils down to so let's see what we're going to study today and we'll talk through it as we go Um, let's look first at Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 therefore if there is any encouragement in Christ if there is any consolation of love if there is any fellowship of the Spirit if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. So our one purpose, as we know, is to um, not only glorify God with the things that we do or bring attention to God, but also share the gospel. But that's two purposes, isn't it? (laughs) But, you know what I mean. Uh, You know, we have our one purpose that we work toward. And that is being Christians in the way that we should. I wanted to talk just for a moment about those two verses. Because the way it says, if there's any encouragement in Christ. If there's any consolation of love. If there's any fellowship of the Spirit, etc. And so um there's the meaning of that doesn't exactly come across from the greek uh to the english as as it was written and so i i was reading some other um references and what it what it really means is uh, sort of like because there is because there is Um, encouragement in Christ because there is consolation of love because there is fellowship of the spirit uh, you know etc and so I wanted to go and read it to you out of the Amplified Bible and I think I've used this but it's been quite some time this is what it looks like that may be backwards on the screen but um, it's the Amplified Bible I got the uh, idea of using it from Billy Graham one time when he mentioned something about it. But it, what it does is it expands each verse to uh, all the meaning of the verse, I guess you might say. So I'm going to read uh, verse 1 and 2 in this Amplified Bible. So, by whatever appeal to you there is in our mutual dwelling in Christ, by whatever strengthening and consoling and encouraging our relationship in Him affords, by whatever persuasive incentive there is in love, by whatever participation in the Holy Spirit we share, And by whatever depth of affection and compassionate sympathy fill up and complete my joy by living in harmony and being of the same mind and one in purpose, having the same love, being in full accord and of one harmonious mind and intention. So that really expands it out. And it's a good reference Bible. If you come across a verse that you don't quite understand, because you can read it here and sometimes you'll get, you'll begin to, okay, I get the meaning now, you know, by reading it from this. So he's saying basically, because of the relationship that we have with each other in Christ, because of all these things that we do to encourage each other, etc. Um, I want you to do this. fill up and complete my joy or um, let's see how he, let me go back to the other, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. And so that is you know that was his encouragement to them at this point. And it is an encouragement to us in our lives that we should, as a church, be of the same mind. We should not have divisions among ourselves. We we should, now, you know, there's truth and then there's not, a, a falsehood, you know. And he's not saying, agree with everybody even though they're false, just so you're all of one mind. You know, I don't really think that's what the meaning that we should take from this. Because, you know, there are uh, people, let's say, let's look at the church more broadly and not just our church, but the church, universal. You know, there are people who make an interpretation of scripture that we would look at that and say, you know, that's not the way I interpret it. I don't I don't believe they're right in their in how they have chosen to interpret that. And sometimes you can tolerate that and still work together, and then sometimes it's a big enough difference that you can't and and you just have to, you know, put some distance between you and that person. So that's, you know, that's a part of this also. Um but you know, it if we took this list of attributes that he gives here to the relationship and broke those down we could make a whole bible study just on those things in the attributes of what we get from christian fellowship within the church we get the fellowship of the spirit you know the spirit guiding each other as we follow what god is leading us to do It's much more, we can be much more effective if as a body of believers, the spirit guides us. Rather than saying the spirit guided that guy and he's convinced everybody else, you know, that can be, you can go off on a tangent there that's not exactly right. But when the spirit is guiding a number of people in the congregation all in the same direction, then that's when you really begin to do what God has intended for the church. And so um, the fellowship of the Spirit, it, affection and compassion, you know, caring for each other. So he says, make my joy complete uh, by being of the same mind, uh, maintaining the same love United in spirit, intent on one purpose. Okay, let's go on to the next verses now. That's going to be verses three and four. He he says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And the, these are just basics to the Christian life, aren't they? That we we should do. You know, it's a, it's he's talking about our attitude toward each other, um, humility, and also uh, not having a selfish attitude, but regarding other people. You know and their feelings and how something might come across to them um, before you regard yourself and if we would all do that then there wouldn't be um maybe as many hurt feelings you know in the church if we if we look outward like that um it keeps us from looking inward also. And that's important, you know, to not, if your focus is inward, then it's much more easy for you to get your feelings hurt or to get offended. But if your focus is outward onto other people, and what can I do to encourage them? What can I do to help them? What can I do to show uh, love to them, or help them to be joyful. Then y- you you minimize, you know, those kind of hurt feelings among the congregation. Okay, let's go on then to the next uh, verse, five and six. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. And so they they kind of broke it off there. I'm going to read on through 7 and 8 and then we'll talk about it. it. Did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. And being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Paul says to them, have this attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to describe what Jesus did. And the reason that Jesus did the things he did was because of his attitude. It it was a choice that he made. And so the first thing that he did was, well, it's just a statement of fact, he existed in the form of God. The way that this is um, spelled out in the Amplified Bible says uh, in verse 6, I'm going to read verse 6 from the Amplified Bible. Um, where it's talking about Christ Jesus, who, although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God, did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained. So in other words, before Jesus came, to uh be born as a babe he was with God and John says he was God you know this is he he was fully um God with the attributes of God and this says um fullness of the attributes which make God God and it mentions the equality with God. He was the same as God. And so it says, uh, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or to be held on to. So his attitude was that in order to... um come to the earth and be born as a human he would have to let go of uh being equal with god or, or in the form of god i guess And that's very complex you know that's not something that's so easy to understand you know was was jesus um god obviously he when he was in his human form he spoke to god and so you know it anyway we i think you know i think this idea of how that all worked is something that i almost don't want to try to pin it down because i know i'll get it wrong i guess that's the way i feel about it you know I don't want to say, oh, I have the answer to how that works, because I feel like it's very complex <laughs> and it's beyond my understanding in some ways. And so we will just accept it as Paul wrote, you know, and also as our own understanding, you know, has um, influenced us over the years, you know, to believe in the spirit will let us know if we're off track. On that you know I don't um, I, I'm just gonna leave it at that I don't want to go deeper than that on it but then in verse 7 he mentions what what Jesus did with not holding on to being equal with God what did he do he emptied himself or uh, let's see what the other uh, he laid aside his privileges it says So, he laid down the thing that he was, taking the form of a bond servant, and we talked about bond servant last week, didn't we, which is more than a servant. It is a, a, you know, like a slave or a permanent servant or an indentured servant, you know, something like that, and taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men uh, being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross so he not only came and was in the form of a man by being incarnate in the flesh but also he humbled himself to die on the cross for us in that you know in the form of a man and he didn't have to do any of that did he he did not have to leave heaven he did not have to um come and be born he did not have to die he he did all of those things by choice and so this attitude of doing this for us and the humility that it took to even lay down who you were and come and be born as a man, you know, the humility that that took um, is the attitude that Paul is asking the Philippians to um To copy or to have he says have this attitude in yourselves so there's a book that was written which we did a study on at one time called the mind of christ and that was an interesting book and this was a part of the scripture that they used you know the not only what jesus did but what it took for him to do that how His thought process, his humility, and all of that, you know, to be able to do what he did. And so for us, we can't, you know, Paul is not asking us to all be crucified on the cross. But what he was asking the Philippians, and in turn, what we can get from this, is to have that humble attitude that Jesus had to lay down who we are and pick up who Jesus wants us to be or who God wants us to be who God has planned for us to be because you know in life if you have if you've reached my age you realize you're not going to get to do all the things (laughs) that you would like to have done in life you there's still loads of things oh I wish I could have lived there or gone there or been that occupation or this occupation or studied at that college or whatever you're just not going to get to do it all and so our attitude as christians you know should be that we lay down who we are and we take up who god wants us to be and then we'll be truly happy Uh, That's the way to to real happiness, isn't it? When we know that we're doing the thing that God wants us to do. Okay, let's move on uh, to verses 9 to 11. For this reason, now for this reason being uh, because Jesus did these things. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, because Jesus did this, God highly exalted him, it says, and gave him the name above every name and it it also goes on to quote isaiah uh, where it says every knee will bow that's a quote from isaiah and um he says every knee will bow on the whole earth and every tongue will confess that jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, you know, we we talk about the end of time and how it will be, you know, when Jesus returns and how at that point every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that, wow, Jesus is the Lord, you know. And until that time, we have to do our best. But knowing that a day is coming when exactly that will happen. And we need to be sure that before that time, we, are, we have already done these things. We have already bowed our knee to Jesus. We've already confessed that Jesus is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Um, because we don't want to, you know, at the time when Jesus returns, then it's going to be too late to do those things. At that point, you can say, oops, you know, I, I missed it. I, I didn't ever get around to it, or I didn't think it was real. And now I do. I realize it is, and I want to be a Christian too. And at that point, it's going to be too late to make that decision. And so the decision is for now. Okay, and then... um. Let's see, let me get my page to turn here. Let's go on to verses 12 and 13 then. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure so he says to them um you know you've always obeyed god not only when I'm when I was with you but even more in my absence you know you're obeying god and so he says work out your salvation with fear and trembling and You know, I did a little study on that word, or those words, work out your salvation. And it goes back to what we were just talking about. It's not that you're going to work and get your salvation. It's not that. But it's that you're going to um, do the work of the salvation that you have That God has given you. In other words. When God saved you. He also has a plan for you. You you were saved. You. God called to you. And said. I want you to be saved. And you answered and said. I want that also. And I I want to follow Jesus. And be saved. And when that happened. Immediately. He. He. you know, he had a plan for what he wanted you to do as a saved person. And so, Paul is saying, work out your salvation. Now, let's look at that in the um, Amplified Bible. Um, he says, work out, cultivate, carry out to the goal, and fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling so you know the idea of um cultivating your salvation let's say or carrying it out to the goal so when you cultivate something you know it begins you plant it you maintain it you work at it you get the weeds out you do whatever And then you have a harvest at the end. You've cultivated a plant or whatever it is, flowers, whatever it is. And so in the same way, he's saying, cultivate your salvation or work at it. It shouldn't just be something that, you know, like um, you got it stamped on a card and you put it in your pocket and that was it. You know, and if anybody says, are you saved, you can bring it out and show it to them. It's not like that. It is a work in progress that you are cultivating. You're working at it. And so that's what he's saying. Um, Then let's look at verses 14 and 15. Do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent. Children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world um and so he's saying you know again he's giving them instruction on attitudes i guess that you might have because if you're going to grumble then it's because you of the attitude that you have that's why you grumble if you're going to dispute that is because of the attitude that you have about a thing is why you're going to dispute and so he says don't do those things so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of god above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation and you know definitely every generation Is crooked and perverse Paul's generation was um, with all the idol worship that was going on right around them the temple prostitutes all of those things that they saw on a daily basis you know here in our generation we have things just right coming through the TV or whatever that are just awful and so he says you know live as Christians without grumbling and disputing with each other so that you will shine like lights in the world in this crooked and perverse generation. And that Jesus said the same thing, didn't he, when he said, you are the light of the world. And so we are to shine our light uh, to those that we meet because they are living if they're not a christian they are living in the darkness and when they encounter us they should be able to see the light of jesus shining out through us that is our encouragement to them to help them to see that hey there is something more there's something that you need there's something there is a way to have peace in your life because you know, if you were living without Jesus, then you it, you'd just be left up to your own devices uh, and the influence of the devil, and you would make bad decisions, and you would feel the lostness of knowing that you know there that emptiness of knowing that you didn't there was something that needed to be there that wasn't there. And you might not even know what it was, you know, unless you had met a Christian or talked with one or somehow found out about the gospel. And so, um, now I think our lesson ends there, but I want to go just a little bit further and just kind of summarize um, the rest of the chapter because we won't cover that next week. And so on the latter part of this chapter what he talks about is Timothy and Epaphroditus and he says you know I'm going to send Timothy to you um, so that you know he can find out how you're doing and he can I'll be encouraged when he comes back to tell me how you're doing and things like that and then he says I'm also going to send Epaphroditus, who has been sick, and I know that you were worried about him, and so I'm going to send him also so that you can see that he's well. So apparently, Epaphroditus had come from them, from the Philippians, to uh, help Paul as he was in prison. Because, you know, I think we mentioned at the beginning when you're in prison back then. You had to have someone taking care of you because the prison guards, you know, were not going to feed you or wash your clothes or anything like that. And so Epaphroditus, I think, had come uh, to stay with Paul and to serve him in, and was probably sent out, you know, from his church to do that. And so, you know, he says, I'm going to send him, though, because he was very sick to the point of death, and I want you to see that he's better, and so he's coming. And so, again, it gets back to the personal aspect of this being a letter, you know, and, and there are things in the letter that it, are just like uh, logistics, I guess you might say. Here's what's gonna happen next. I'm gonna send Timothy, and I'm gonna send Epaphroditus, and this is the reason why, and and those kind of things. And, you know, it helps us to realize that this is not just, um, in theory, you know, made up uh, Christian teachings, but this, this was actual someone actually living out their, their Christian life in this way, as Paul did. Okay, I think we'll stop there. Uh, for today. Thank you for being with me. And then next week, we're going to be in Chapter 3. So if you want to read ahead to Chapter 3, then you'll be ready for the lesson next week. Thank you for being with me, and I hope you have a very good week.